Welcome to The Table. You are listening to the Kingstown Communion podcast with lead pastor Michelle Matthews. The Kingstown Communion is a new United Methodist Church existing to gather people into communion with Jesus Christ through courageous conversation, creative community, and collaborating for the common good. For more information about upcoming events and opportunities to serve, visit our Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash Kingstown Communion. We're glad that you're listening along with us. If you live close by, we hope you'll join us for worship in person. And if you ever feel so inclined to help us by giving financially, you can do so on our website, kingstowncommunion.net. Through 38. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a town in Galilee called Nazareth to a virgin engaged to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary, and he came to her and said, Greetings, favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was much perplexed by his words and pondered what sort of greeting this might be. The angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God, and now you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give to him the throne of his ancestor David. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. Mary said to the angel, How can this be, since I am a virgin? The angel said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you, and therefore the child to be born will be holy. He will be called Son of God. And now your relative Elizabeth, in her old age, has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month for her who was said to be barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. Then Mary said, Here am I, the servant of the Lord. Let it be with me according to your word. Then the angel departed from her. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Spirit of God, thank you, Deb. So it was the year that I was born, 1986. It's okay, you can do that. Whole, some of you I know will do that. Oh my gosh, 1986. Um, it was in 1986 um, that the World Cup was held in Mexico. And sadly, the U.S. did not qualify. But, but the World Cup became, this World Cup became known for a communal activity that all of us know Somebody's shaking their head over here. I wonder if they know. 
Something that is beloved in every stadium. Does anybody know what it is? The wave, yes. The, which we can say it's the Mexican wave or what we call the wave, yeah. It was actually said to have begun um, at some California baseball game in the early 80s, but it was that World Cup game where all the eyes of the world fell on this tradition, this communal activity, and it became a thing, especially in the US. And maybe you're a little bit like me, and when you're trying to watch a game or, you know, trying to eat a chili dog or some DC United Jose Andres champion club spread, whatever reason you go to sporting events, I know what my reasons are. <laughs> Maybe you're like me and you find that almost forced joy of the wave a tad bit annoying. That's the thing about joy. For those of us who are cynics or skeptics or even the mundane, it has this way of being as annoying as it is infectious. Does anyone really love the wave? Is anyone really that joyful? When I think about this kind of joy that is equally as irritating as it is infectious, I think of one particular character from our beloved, we are in a sermon series, a, Chris, a Ted Lasso Christmas, from our beloved Ted Lasso, and that character is Danny Rojas. The show doesn't begin with Danny. Danny doesn't show up until halfway through the first season, almost as if to say, before then, all of us, used to comedy, steeped in cynicism, wouldn't have been ready for Danny. This, tea, this team, AFC Richmond, has been known for the last few seasons for one particular player. Their media hype striker, Jamie Tart. The problem with Jamie is his ego and his attitude reek. And even though he scores all the goals, his team generally can't stand him. And then they sign Danny with no real sense of how good he is at all. Take a look. You are a spirited fella, Danny. You're going out there and get the striking spot for us, okay? Yes. Just like back in Guadalajara, you say it, I do it, coach. Football is live! Ooh. <laughs> oh, along, Tim. Jamie doesn't.
see that? I can't really tell, but it seems like he's very good. <laughs> Cheers again. The rest of the team seems invigorated by Danny's energy, but not Jamie. For those of us used to the cynicism of comedy for, or for braggarts like Jamie Tart, who have matched ability with equal parts ego, Danny's joy and charitable outlook on the world seems like a foreign language entirely. Take a look. Wow, that was on purpose, yes? Yeah, look mate, you're good, yeah, but up here, there's a difference between good and great. Woohoo! One, one, your turn, amigo. Right, watch this then. Left post. Wow, that was good. I'm out. Oh. Ah, I got lucky. Again tomorrow, Jenny Tart. We'll see. <laughs> Football is life. No, 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 no. Donnie Rojas, Rojas, Donnie Rojas! Oh, oh, oh boy. I'll tell you. And so Danny's joyful encounters with everyone he meets in every circumstance, it has this way of seeming fake. No one can be that happy. Jamie is skeptical. There must be some kind of ulterior motive to this kind of rampant kindness and positivity, right? But we learned that for Danny, it's not random, nor is it manipulative. It's purposeful. Keeley, the team's marketing director, sits down with each player to help them brainstorm possible sponsorships for which products could they see themselves being brand ambassadors. And here's Danny's response. Right, the, the product you'd most like to get into business with is joy. Si, mucho, mucho joy. I don't know if I can get you paid for that though, Danny. I like to give away joy for free. Oh, all right, thanks, Danny. You're welcome. Joy for free, mucho, mucho joy. When I think about that kind of joy upon joy, that, that advent joy that is equally as irritating as it is infectious, I think of Danny and I think of the Mexican wave. <laughs> These days at any sporting event, those who, who start a Mexican wave usually are pretty young or pretty bored. But today I want us to imagine the story of scripture as a Mexican wave with each new major development in the story, like that wave reaching a new part of the crowd with its own slightly different pitch cheer. And you'll be glad that I am not going to divide you into sections, 
and make you do a wave today. The way the first half of the Bible is written, it's all leading somewhere. And we know as, as people who, who know the end of the story, it's leading somewhere pretty joyful. That, that cheer just gets louder and louder and louder until it reaches a climax. It starts with the story of God in Genesis saying, let there be light. Let's call that part one or section one, a story about the cheer um, and, and the sheer power of God's word, bringing something out of nothing. God speaks it and it is, and it's good. It's this joy. And then there's the story of, of Adam and Eve. Let's call that part two or section two. A story about how, how God longs for us to be God's friends and makes everything possible for us to keep that friendship joy. And we know it's also a part of that, of the first of us disobeying God. And then there's Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, let's call that part three or section three. God calls Abraham and says he will have as many descendants as the stars in the sky and they will be a blessing to all peoples. And God changes Jacob's name to Israel and renews a covenant with him even though he is not much of a role model at all. A little bit more joy. And then there's Moses, which we'll call part four or section four, that story of when God intervenes to set God's people free and gives them the law to make them holy. This law written on tablets and kept in this container called the Ark of the Covenant, which was kept for a long time in a tent. That, that law that was considered the embodiment of God's presence with God's people and just a little bit more joy. And then we get to the climax of this wave. Are you riding it with me? Part five, section five, where the cheering gets the loudest and the waving becomes more frenzied. King David arrives on the scene. And all vital pieces seem to be in place. Israel has a promised land and is safe within that promised land's borders. And it has a king, David, and a capital city, Jerusalem. And it has, it has something to be proud of. They're certainly under God's favor. And it seems to be the perfect time to crown that favor with the building of a temple. Something that Nathan and David debate and ultimately decide that the house of God is establishing it is not a physical location, but a fleshly house made not of cedar wood, but of David's descendants. God and Israel understand each other. No ifs or buts, just loving, committed relationship. Mucho, mucho joy. But then it all falls apart. And David's son Solomon dies and the kingdom splits and foreign powers invade and Israel goes into exile, losing land and city and king and temple and most of all favor. Catastrophe. And after the return from exile, let's call that part six or section six of this wave, the end of the Old Testament, prophets begin to talk about the one who is coming who would change hearts and thrones and restore joy and transform everything. And the prophets fall silent and the wave fizzles out. 
And the Israelites are back in their land, back in their city. They even have a new temple, but it's not the same because they have no king and they have no David. And that's where Luke's gospel begins. Imagine the wave doesn't take place in a stadium with seating all around, but in an arena, more like a football stadium where it goes about four fifths of the way around and it dies out as the prophets fall silent right where the seating comes to an end. And Luke begins at that very point with the promised birth of a new prophet proclaiming some mighty big news. And just imagine those lethargic sports fans amongst whom the wave had just died out, like the team or or even the fans of AFC Richmond, used to years of disappointment, stirring to their feet, almost in slow motion. Section six is rising to its feet, and it's not yet clear whether it's a yawn or a celebration. And then we hear Luke say those famous words to Mary. Greetings, favored one. And section six thinks, wait, that sounds familiar. I haven't heard anything about, about God's favor since the time of David. And then these words, he will be great and will be called the son of the most high and the Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor, David. This is, is beginning to sound like section five rising to its feet. Suddenly we're, we're hearing forever language again for the first time for a thousand years. This is section five, the David section beginning to stand and wave their hands and cheer the wave is reviving and going back the way it came. Section four, the Moses section is a bit more subtle in this passage. You need to think about what Mary is doing in this story. She is being summoned by God to play a vital role in giving to Israel the complete embodiment of God's renewed covenant. There is an exact analogy between what Mary is doing and what Moses did. And our signal is the word holy. Therefore, the child to be born will be holy. Holy is this word that points directly to Moses because the whole notion of holiness comes into the Bible with Moses beginning at the burning bush and centering on Mount Sinai and the declaration that Israel will be a holy nation just as Yahweh is a holy God. Joy upon joy. And the wave grows a little bit more. So the wave is now really on the move and the prophets are coming back. David is coming back. Moses is here too. And so on to section three. And now it's getting really exciting. Luke's account of the Annunciation is going back through the main sections of the story. 
getting the band back together again. Next in line is section three, the, the patriarchs, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. Gabriel says he will reign over the house of Jacob forever and of his kingdom there will be no end. Joy upon joy, do you yet believe? So this new initiative from God embraces not just the joy of David, the joy of a new king, not just Moses, the joy of a renewed covenant that puts the heart of God back among God's people in a way that had not been seen since the Ark of the Covenant was lost in the fall of Jerusalem 600 years before Mary was even born. Not just David, not just Moses, but, the, but God's initiative embraces even Jacob. In other words, it goes back to the beginning of Israel's story, back to the blessing to every nation and the call to Abraham himself, joy upon joy, do you yet believe? But there's even more. The crowds are, are now making a terrific noise because section two is on its feet now. And section two, you'll remember, is the Garden of Eden and the story of the woman who disobeyed. And here we are again at a crucial moment in the biblical narrative, but this time the woman says, yes, here I am, the servant of the Lord. And think about what it means to be a servant in the ancient world. It means to live in the house of your master and be around him all the time. So that friendship with God that fell apart in the Garden of Eden is well on the way to being restored. Mary is now a member of God's household. Mary has taken a step beyond the scope of Israel. This is a step that goes back even before Abraham. It's a step towards the reconciliation of the whole of humanity with God. Mucho, mucho joy. Do you yet believe? And we still haven't finished yet. There's one more section to rise to its feet. Genesis itself. Let it be to me according to your word, Mary says. This is the language of the great creation story. Not only does Mary say, let it be, the same words God uses to speak the world and the universe into being, she also refers to your word, the word of God, the word of God spoke in the heart of God's creative power was in it. And if there should be any doubt that this is a reference to the first creation story, look, look at the way the baby is to be conceived. The Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Here lies the direct echo of that first creation account. The earth was a formless void and the darkness covered the face of the abyss and the spirit hovered over the face of the waters. The spirit hovers over Mary and there's this new creation. We're talking about a new heaven and a new earth. The whole of scripture is about to be fulfilled in this one woman's womb. And each one of the six sections of the great stadium has risen to its feet now. In this growing crescendo of joy and celebration, Gabriel's message to Mary is an announcement without precedent. The angel is saying, this is the new David. God wholly committed to us with no ifs and buts. This is the new Moses, God fully embodied among us and setting us free. 
joy upon joy given away. This is the new Jacob, a promise that does not depend on our worthiness or unworthiness, but extends to all of God's people as a blessing for every nation, joy upon joy given away. This is the new Adam and Eve, a new obedient relationship that sets right God's friendship with all humanity, joy upon joy given away. This is a new creation, the spirit once again hovering over, brings light out of darkness, joy upon joy given away. And Luke is telling us that wherever we stand in the stadium, it's time to rise to our feet too. Even if joy feels a million miles away. After meeting Danny and getting an inside view on his irritating and infectious joy in season one, season two of Ted Lasso begins by just sucking the joy right out of Danny. In a crucial penalty kick moment, the unimaginable happens. Earl, AFC Richmond's beloved sidelines dog mascot, runs onto the field just as Danny makes the shot and the ball hits the poor dog instead of going into the net, taking the dog's life. It's devastating to Danny. It haunts him in his dreams and causes him to seek therapy and contributes to a season-long inability to make any shot into the net. The guy who once exclaimed every chance he could get, football is life, now feels like football is death, literally, and, and, and it robs him of his joy. Joy feels like a million miles away from Danny and for the community surrounding AFC Richmond. But Ted offers some needed perspective for them and for us. What about this fellow right here? Trent Krim. What about this fellow right here? Trent Krim. I was wondering if you had any comments on Earl, the dog Danny Rojas killed today. Mm. Trent Krim bringing that heat. <laughs> yeah. Well, when I was three years old, I got attacked by our neighbor's dog. I don't remember it happening, but my mother said it was pretty, pretty scary. I do remember being afraid of dogs while growing up, though. Like if I was at a friend's house for a sleepover or something, they'd have to keep their family dog outside, otherwise I'd bawl my eyes out. <laughs> then in high school, our neighbor, Mr. Grady, well, his, his wife passed away. And he was real sad about that, as you can imagine. And he just kind of stopped taking care of their dog. Same one that bit me. His name was Hank. And so I started looking after him, you know, feeding him, taking him on walks, playing fetch, all that fun stuff. Eventually, Mr. Grady's son moved his dad into a nursing home and he asked if I wanted to keep Hank. And I was like, yeah, heck yeah. And then a year or so after that, we had to put Hank to sleep. It's funny to think about the things in your life 
they can make you cry just knowing that they existed can then become the same thing that make you cry knowing that they're now gone. I think those things come into our lives to help us get from one place to a better one. And I hope we helped Earl do just that. We're going to miss him around here a whole bunch. When those moments that steal our joy invade our lives, as debilitating as they can be, they have this way of helping us get from one place to another. Wherever you stand in the stadium today, maybe you're standing in the prophet's section, downtrodden and longing for a sign or something for your, your fortunes to change. Maybe you're standing in the David section, deeply aware of promises that sounded really good, but seemed to have been cruelly broken by God, or lost in regret or bitterness or nostalgia. Maybe you're standing in the Moses section, longing for God to be close to you, to give you some clear instruction. Maybe you're standing in the Jacob section, knowing how foolish and cruel we can all be, how foolish and cruel you've been, and wondering if God has the patience and mercy for you. Maybe you're in the Adam and Eve section, wondering if one terrible mistake you made ruined your life forever. Or maybe you're in section one, wondering what is the meaning of the universe? And what is my purpose within it? Or you, like Danny, can allow the wave to become so irritatingly infectious that begins to make believers out of the biggest skeptics and cynics, believers like Jamie Tart even, who by the end of season two sets aside his ego and begins to believe in joy, in himself, in kindness, and in Danny. Take a look at this one last clip. A long ball from the Dutchman. Tart is there. Is this the moment for Richmond? It's a penalty. Danny. You got this one, Chacha. This one. Trust me. It looks like Tart is giving the ball to Rojas, who hasn't kicked a penalty since, well.
Football is life. Richmond deserve this. They remain a club without a major trophy. like the wave shakes us out of our boredom and our sadness and our anger and our skepticism saying behold the Lord is with you in your yawning and in your crying and in your worrying so get up on your feet and lift your hands high and join the wave for here is a new king and a new presence and a new covenant and a new friendship and a new creation. Joy upon rolling joy through God's people given away. I offer this to you in the name of God our Father, his Son Jesus Christ, and in the Holy Spirit. Amen. Would you pray with me? God, we take stock of where we are in the stadium today. And we ask that despite where we are, you would fill us with your joy. Until we can give it away. We join with Jesus in that prayer he teaches us our father who art in heaven hallowed be thy name thy kingdom come thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us and lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Amen. Jesus, I believe.